podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. Hello and welcome to the 5 Plan Podcast. Hey! Ooh, beautifully done. It's pod 436. Um, Palace drawn one all. With Liverpool on Monday night, we'll be discussing that, of course, with Kevin Day. Hello to you. Hello there. I um, my, my Craig David old man headphones got broken in Edinburgh, so I'm wearing young person's things in the ear. Well, I'm not going to lie, I, I feel naked. Hmm. Well, you're it's not just, naked, which is good. I, I, don't spoil it for them, Jay. They, they can't see me. But at least let them have the pleasure of the pretending for just a moment <laughs> or so. Let them have that moment. <laughs> <laughs> oh, cool. Okay, well, um, someone is also not naked. Jack Pierce. hello to you. How are you? Yeah, not naked and I'm here. But second reference in two weeks for Craig David on this podcast. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Oh, Joe was talking about him last week. Yeah. The whole seven days, the whole, it takes longer because he's getting older, so he doesn't do it in seven days. We literally yeah. called the pod 10 days, didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. You, are, you are the host, but yeah. Third time next week, and uh, he's legally obliged to come onto this podcast. I don't know what you talk about, but, it's, you know, it'd be, be good for good for the rep of the pod, I guess. Yeah, it would. Just classic Palace Southampton games. Southampton, Southampton think, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah classic yeah. Palace yeah. Southampton games, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we'll talk about the uh, Danny, Danny Higginbottom goal. Um, uh, let's... Uh, do a, a drum roll for a random patron. I think it'd be good. Let's do it. I haven't got a drum. To, uh, anyway, um, Joshua Bailey. Hey, hi, hi Joshua. Joshua. Hi, Joshua. Recently joined the patron. You can get all the rewards like Joshua, including post-match podcasts, patron-only merchandise, and access to the patron-only WhatsApp club. Sorry, Discord club at patreon.com, <laughs> p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash f-y-p podcast. Um, if I would be allowed to kind of do a quick plug for my Edinburgh show, um, which is called Jim Daily Football and Fatherhood, I've had quite a few Palace fans come up, quite a few FYP fans come up, and they've been absolutely lovely. So it's been really nice to put um, some names to faces. So thank you to everyone that's come up and supported. Um, the show got five stars. Uh, no, it didn't. It got four stars. The show got four stars. It's a four-star show. Um, I'll take that. Oh, Freudian there. Imagine if it was five stars. Um, so uh, if you'd like to come and see that, it's about football and fatherhood and other stuff and self-confidence, and oh, and it's got jokes. Um, at 4.30pm at the Grass Market Community Centre, Every day, uh, I'm away for a few days, but I'm back on Saturday until the end of the run. So it'd be lovely to see you there. Um, let's uh, let's crack on with the actual Palace chat. One all draw, Kevin, on mm. Monday night against Liverpool. Um, 
Lots to talk about, mainly, I guess, the chat pre-game and actually post-game has been the formation, switching mm. from a 4-3-3 to a 5 at the back. Joel Ward's uh, slipping into the back three. Jack is desperate to talk about <laughs> him, I'm sure. Um, what were your thoughts on that? Because uh, it seemed like a lot of players found to split between we shouldn't be doing this away at Anfield and other people saying, well, it's a way to play them, and it worked. I must say, uh, I didn't expect it. Uh, like a lot of uh, Palace fans and pundits before the game, I thought we may try and work a system where we could isolate Trent Alexander-Arnold and Anderson can hit Wilf with passes behind him. It's talking to two Liverpool fans today uh, who very kindly took time off issuing death threats uh, to have a chat. Um, one of them said, fair play, 5-4-1. I don't think we expected it. We seem to be thrown by it in the first... 15 minutes would have been interesting to see what happened if we'd scored. Uh, and another one said it's nothing to do with the formation. No one comes up here to try and win. Uh, we didn't create as many chances as normal and you got away with it. But I think the truth is somewhere in between. That's my ponderous way of saying I thought the tactics were right and we had a bit of luck, to be perfectly honest. I think, like a lot of fans said today, if we play that way against City, we're going to have to hold the ball better mm. and we're going to have to get somebody closer to Wilf on more occasions but I don't think you can argue with it I think it was a well-deserved point <clears throat> it was our first point in 10 games against Liverpool Yeah, I, I think Sadio Mane not being there obviously makes a big difference <laughs> Yeah, um, I, 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 <clears throat> I promised that I would apologise to Wardy I, I, I think we discussed in recent weeks that uh, rumours were that uh, Patrick had the five at the back up his sleeve and wanted to experiment with it. I don't think any of us thought Wardy would be the the third centre-back, but I thought he... Well, I don't think anybody had a bad game. I thought Wardy played really well, and what it did was it, it really crowded out the midfield a lot more than we did in the first half at Arsenal. Gave Eze a bit more protection. That uh, The goal obviously won't be nominated for goal of the month, but should be. Uh, although Gaeta claiming an assist is pushing it a little bit. It's quite obviously a screw clearance, but Eze's control and burst of pace away from two defenders and the pass and the finish was world class. I mean, that was a that was a fantastic goal. It was a really fantastic goal. Um, so yeah, I don't think we can argue with the outcome. I, I think I'm really happy with that point, and I I, I think if we, before the season started, we probably would have taken a point for the first two games. Especially as it turns out that Arsenal are looking like a much better team than last year. Yeah, completely agree. I think you're right about Wardy, and we'll bring in obviously the chairman of the of Jay was appreciation society, Jack, in a minute. Because um, I think a lot of us thought it might be Chris Richards, who did come on and did you did do quite well. And we do have a question about him later on. Um, and I'll just chuck in really quickly, Jack, before I come to you, a couple of comments. Gareth Richards. Gareth. Uh, hi, Gareth. Yeah. Says one all is a good result. I was worried it was going to be a different outcome. What does the panel think? Gareth from California. Oh, hello, Gareth from California. Um, and at that beardy bloke. Hello, uh, beardy bloke. Hello, beardy. Says, am I delusional for being upset and not having come away with the three points? Maybe we'll come on to that in a bit. Let's have your thoughts on Joel Ward then. Um, delivering again for Palace. Yeah, he did. Um, I was surprised he started in that three. I thought if we did go to that uh, that formation that Chris Richard would come in just because he's kind of the, the new kid on the block. But actually, he 
didn't have the best of games in the Brighton under 21 or 23 match, whatever that league is this season, um, last week out, uh, uh, last time out, the week before last. So, um, you know, Wardy has played centre-back towards the end of last season and I think spent some of his youth career playing centre-half. So, um, yeah, he, he could do that job, particularly when he's playing the right side of that three because he's occupying parts of the pits that he's used to occupying anyway. Um, so I thought he did a really good job. I thought he stepped in uh, when he needed to. You know, his use of the ball wasn't particularly great, but to be honest, at Anfield, your outlet is very limited and, and it's one man up the pitch. Unless you find him accurately, you could be accused of, of not being as on point as you need to be. But no, I thought he did really well. I thought the back three were actually very good. Um, I thought the whole unit defensively did well in keeping it shaped. Sometimes it was a bit too pinball in, the, in, their, in our box for, for my liking. but. Um, yeah, I, I thought that the shape did really well. And, and kind of following up on Kevin's point, I think in, in terms of picking up a point away from home, albeit I, I acknowledge that we did um, have a one man advantage and conceded a lead, but at Anfield, I think that's liable to happen. But in terms of picking up a point at Anfield, I think the team did everything that a team needs to do to pick that point up. I thought we were really good in, in, uh, in, in many parts of the game. Um, it's not the type of performance that we're going to want to see out of this Palace team every week, but we're not going to be playing Liverpool at Anfield every week. So I'm not too concerned. Some real positives. Um, as I said, the bat line were great. Anderson, I'm sure we'll talk about Joachim Anderson, <laughs> about another matter in a moment. Yeah. I thought Czech de Corre was absolutely outstanding. Uh, and I thought Eze, some of his touches uh, just showed the class that that guy's got. Capped off by, as Kevin says, a truly wonderful goal. You know, Ebbs doesn't make... Anyone looks stupid there. He makes Fabinho, who for me is is one of the two best sitting midfielders in the Premier League alongside yeah. Rodri, look like an absolute amateur and then plays the perfectly weighted pass. Mm, yeah. um, and, and Wilf, it's not easy for Wilf. You know, he's got perhaps the best centre-half in the league, followed by the best goalkeeper in the league to beat, and he does it with aplomb. I mean, that's a fantastic finish. Uh, Carragher and Neville referred to an Henri-like finish in it, and it really is. So it, in terms of team lineups, when they both came out, I've understood why we might mix it up. But actually, I felt, looking at their team lineup, that the inclusion of Nat Phillips because of the injuries would give us that chance. You know, Phillips is, is decent, but he's not Matip or he's not Canate, and he's not particularly quick on the turn, and Wilf loves that type of defender. So I was pleased we we kind of maximised that opportunity. But yeah, really good point. And uh, yeah, as Kevin says, one point from those two games is is a positive turnaround. Uh, and if we taken one at home against Arsenal and lost against Liverpool, nobody would bat an eyelid. So I think to turn it around the other way is a, a real positive after that disappointing defeat. First time. It also proves what we talked about in the second part of last season, that we've got a manager now who's got plan A, plan B, plan mm, yeah. C, and yeah. we'll find different ways of playing against different teams. And I thought it was very interesting after the game when Carragher said, when they went down to 10 men, did you think about changing it and maybe going for the win? He said, no, we've worked on this all week. Mm. We've worked on this system all week. And I thought it was best that we didn't disrupt it, that we carried on playing the way we were playing. And hopefully that, so that, that I, I was really chuffed to learn that we'd been working on it all week. Um, Cause I don't think that would necessarily have happened under other managers. Again, again, what would have happened if Milner had scored with that first mm. shot in the first minute? We don't know, but you, you really can't argue with the point the way I feel. I don't agree with those people who said that we approached it like, a newly promoted team or a, a, a league one team playing a cup tie. I thought we were, uh, uh, that, apart from the possession stats, which could have been better, I, th- I thought we matched them. We were defensively, 
Yeah, of course we rode our luck. You have to, but I, I yeah. thought we actually deserved that point, and I thought it was a very grown-up result. Did have chances as well yeah. to, to nick yeah. it, you know. Uh, absolutely, yeah. Wolf, Wolf is put yeah. through at one 0 in the first half by Decore. His, yeah. his first or second touch isn't particularly great, and then I, I think he's getting a bit of a hard time about the miss in the second half. I mean, it comes across as a rocket. And he, he manages to get his foot on it and it does hit the post. Obviously, from that far out, you'd hope a, a player of that quality would be able to put it away. But, you know, on another night, we do nick it. But no, I'm, I'm, I think we will take a point from last night and move on. Yeah, and I, get, I thought the comments from Vieira afterwards were very interesting, but particularly something you just said, Kevin, as well, about keeping the ball. Because to play that way, uh, away at top top six, top two, top, top, top 14, you do have to make sure when you're in possession that you do use it. And Palace did turnover possession a few times. I mean, yeah. there was one point I said on the post-match pod where I was saying to my mate Callum I was living with, Eze's having a great game. He skipped away from three men and just put it out for throwing yeah, yeah. with no one around him. <laughs> you do have to be really careful. But if they can do that and make sure they use possession better, then that, then that system is very effective. And as you said, it is a mature, grown-up way to play it away at Liverpool. Mm. Yeah, and I thought he used the subs well too. He took a lot of sting out of the game by... You know, there will be all sorts of talk this season. And, and people say, oh, it's a weak and Liverpool team. It wasn't. I mean, apart from, Phillips was the only one that you'd think, thank God he's playing. Yeah. But just look at the quality of the players they had on the bench. You know, look at the quality of the goal they scored. They're, they're, they're a world-class team. And we successfully negated them. And also, I like to, you know, our game management is so much better than it used to be. We look fitter. We, we've we got a little bit of bite and a bit of niggle about us as well. We, you know, we don't, back down we we were testing the time wasting right up to the edge last night which infuriates you when other teams do it but it's of course um, game management when we do it but I think Vicente's the best time wasting goalkeeper in the league it's fantastic isn't he he's an absolute genius when yeah. he, I know Andy Street's a fan of it but um, yeah last night you're right he literally pushed it to the whistle yeah. didn't he every time Tierney put his uh, his whistle to the mouth he suddenly got a move on and I think only got books in the in injury time right yeah, end, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, we did push it. That's what you got to do when you go to Anfield. Yeah, you no, know, I, I don't really care if a bloke who goes to Anfield twice a season and one of them happened to be Palace and he's annoyed that Palace <laughs> didn't, didn't allow him to see a 3 0 Liverpool win. You know, it's, it's not my problem. Yeah. No, it's a good result, and especially given the start of the season. So I think we'll all, we'll all take it. Let's move on to then, I guess, the main talking point, which was obviously Darwin's headbutt at Anderson. Um, ben Boxall. Hi ben. Ben. Hello, Ben. It says, is Darwin Nunes getting his van increased? Which I'm guessing is a typo, uh, unless Nunes has a van. I don't know. Darwin Nunes, Darwin's van sounds, sounds like sort of a burger van. He might have it at a non-league game, potentially. <laughs> um, so I don't know about his van. Ben does go on and say, eight-match ban, five-match ban. What are your opinions? I mean, to be honest, that's not really something for us to talk about because we, we're not in the corridors of um, of where they make those decisions. But, but in terms of a something to do Kevin in terms of a reaction it's one of the maddest things ever and there has I don't know if you've seen there's been a, a video that went around I think it's actually been taken down now yeah. of Anderson and Nunes tussling throughout the game and that, you could see Anderson's just doing that classic old centre-back thing of just giving them a little nudge giving them a little push getting in his head and that's something they knew before the game but it clearly worked because it didn't take much for Nunes to turn around and do what is a clearly a stone re- stone wall ridiculous record yeah despite what <coughs> Liverpool fans mate feel about it it's I mean it was like demo but subtle really <laughs> um I, I think there's every chance his ban will be increased because of the the violence of the act I thought as Ed as Ed pointed out Anderson did go down like Stan Laurel had walked into a a, a plank of wood it's like <laughs> proper proper straight back on the ground but I, I I've got my I, I kind of wish 
that tweeting that video I thought was slightly provocative. I, I didn't think it was necessary, to be perfectly honest. I mean, it was great from our point of view, but it, I, I would have been wound up if I was a fan of another club and the, we'd sent that. But it, it. But is it not something that all centre-backs do? Of, of course it game? is. Of, of course it is. But also, I just wouldn't draw attention to it, to be perfectly honest, because now the referee on Saturday is going to be looking out for that sort of thing. I just didn't think it was necessary. I, I, you know, he, he's going to have to learn because he's going to get that in every game. Yeah. And to be honest, it wasn't, I mean, he wasn't roughing him up. He was just following him. He was just making his presence known. He was just there. Um, and he, he fell for it. It's simple as that. And, and I, it, it, I, I couldn't understand why he was complaining about being sent off. I think Liverpool fans are so unused to a referee actually doing his job at Anfield that they're kind of taken aback by that happening. I think they had to remind each other what that red card actually meant. But Anderson, I thought Anderson was fantastic. I thought he's been brilliant in, in both games so far. Uh, and he had him in his part. I think, you know, you could see he was frustrated. He missed that really clear chance in the first half. And again, in similar circumstances at the back post, he missed another one that scuffed onto the post. So he was, he was clearly intent on impressing the Liverpool fans and chose the wrong one to do it. The response of some of the Liverpool fans has just been pathetic. It's just been... Ridiculous. Something you just have to grow up sometimes and say that our player did something stupid, something wrong. Blaming Anderson to the extent of issuing death threats is just ludicrous. And I, I hope, I hope the, the club and and the police do something about it because you know, following on from our last trip to Liverpool, it's not a good look that uh, another club in, up there are issuing death threats against Palace players for having the temerity to fall over. Yeah, quite. I mean, obviously it goes without saying that all those comments he's receiving in death threats are, are um, abhorrent and obviously it's not something you want to see at all. I like to think that if it was the other way around, Palace fans wouldn't be sending threats mm. like that, but I do understand that there's, every... There's, there's a couple. Well, I was going to say, every every fan base has its, you know, has its slight wrong ones, so I appreciate that, but it's obviously appalling. And obviously he did nothing wrong, you know, he was obviously attacked and was basically... TBH or whatever, isn't it? It was on the street. So horrendous. Um, Jack, let's get your thoughts on it. But also, I'm going to chuck you this question from Sam Harris Photo. Hey, Sam. Who says, Josh Anderson for captain. He has been superb, hasn't he? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I'm probably on repeat now. And apologies, listener. Keep saying the same thing. But he's just continued on from the end of last season. Thought he was absolutely brilliant from, from say, February onwards from last season and uh, he's he's looking the best player on the pitch in most games he's playing to be honest I think he's that impactful from centre-half in terms of both his defensive ability um, his ball distribution but as Sam mentions his clear leadership I think it's right that Gay's being given the armband when either MacArthur, Ward or Luca are not on the pitch. I think it's right that Gay is kind of showcases the future of, of Palace and it's probably indicating to Gay how highly thought he is of by the club but Addison is a captain without the armband, to be honest. He's, he's just such a leader um, every minute of every game. Um, so, yes, there, there is merit in that question. I think if if uh, in another... I mean, the fact that he got the armband after five games on loan at Fulham says it all, to be honest. I mean, that, yeah. you don't see many loan players that get an armband. But he he's he is brilliant and he's he is leading the team um, in, in many ways, uh, none more so by the performance he showed last night. Um, whatever you say about Nunes, he's an £80 million striker. 
um, in theory, <laughs> or practically, factually, that, that's what they paid for yeah. him. Um, but you know, he, his performance last night was of a petulant school child, and uh, the fact it ended up the way it ended up for him was probably not a surprise. That I only really had to look at James Milner's reaction to the situation. Um, and there's a man who's played nearly 600 Premier League games, seen a lot of players that he's either played with or played against, and he just did not look very impressed with mm. with what he'd seen. Um, for the incident to occur and to be dismissed is, is one thing, but to refuse to leave the pitch in the manner that he refused to leave the pitch in was also a little bit graceless. So I, I think there's a learning curve for him, but you know, from a Palace perspective, I thought Anderson marshaled him brilliantly in the, in the first half. Um, and I don't think... I mean, Vieira was a, a bit of a master of the dark arts as a player, but I don't think he's intentionally gone out and told Anderson, wind him up to the point where he turns around and knocks your two front teeth out or tries to knock your two front teeth out. So I think that's just a byproduct of Anderson doing a very good job at the heart of a three-man defence where space is tight and you will bump into one another quite a lot. Um, I'm with Kevin. That video probably will highlight that Anderson... Um, he might get talking to by referees more so because of that video now. But what it did highlight is is just how positive he is in terms of stepping out. Doesn't really mind if he steps into the striker. And he's also talking to the striker the whole time as well. Um, and there's been accusations that Palace have been a bit too nice in the past, particularly under Roy. <coughs> yeah. so it's quite nice to have a centre-half who's, who's giving it back to a striker who's certainly giving it to him. So definite red card. Um, I'm with you both in that I hope the club do pursue the appropriate actions in terms of some of the... Uh, the messages that Anderson's had. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll see what comes of that. But in terms of Joachim Anderson, save every performance by him because it's it's a really, really high standard at the moment. I just yeah. wonder what sort of school Jack went to that he says nutting somebody is the act of a petulant schoolboy. These <laughs> <laughs> schools on the South Coast, Kevin, I tell you, hard, hard knocks. I, I'm, I'm Not just as a Palace fan, but as a football fan in general, I'm struggling to think of a centre-back in recent years, who's as comfortable mm. on the ball as, as Anderson, mm. and whose, whose passing ability is as varied and as as good as Anderson in the, in the whole of the Premier League? I don't think there's. I think he's the best currently playing his trade in the Premier I, League. I, I think we're not far short of having the best centre back pairing, certainly outside the top two. Without, yeah, without they, anything, they, they, I think. they've got to be right up there. And the fact they were bought as a pair, yeah, or bought at the yeah. same time, just kind of heightens that feeling of partnership even more. Um, but it's it's funny because I think so much of last season we, we talked about Gay and rightly so because of how well he adapted to, to Premier League football. Um, I think we kind of bypassed just accepting Anderson. And he did have a bit of a rocky start. There were moments, the goal at West Ham where it goes over his head. Um, you know, the, the goal at Tottenham where Lucas Moura um, out, out jumps him and also the, the Leicester mistake. So he, he was making mistakes that were evident, whereas Gay wasn't. But the second half of last season, I don't remember him putting a foot wrong, to be honest. Um, yeah, the guy's great. Um, love, love him playing for Crystal Palace, to be honest. <laughs> don't, don't ever want him to go. No, feel lucky to, feel lucky to have him and, and Gay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, look, that's lovely. Um, let's move on to. I think we take a break now. I think it's time for a break, isn't it? It's a lovely chat. So uh, ask the listener. Ask the listener. Listener, listener <laughs> do you want to? Do you want to? Oh, you yeah, do. Fair enough. Yeah, oh, okay, okay, cool. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, well, um, we'll take a quick break, and when we come back, uh, it's time for winners and losers. The original Nord at Palace was, of course, Gareth Southgate in the 90s. That was his nickname and team, famously. But now there's a new Nord on the scene, as this week was sponsored by Nord VPN. 
And FYP listeners can grab an exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com, that's N-O-R-D-V-P-N.com slash FYP, to get a big discount off your NordVPN plan, plus four months for free. It's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Now, what's a VPN? VPNs provide an encrypted server and it hides your IP address so it protects your identity while online. It also gives you access to content that may be restricted in your country. Much like Gareth Southgate, NordVPN is reliable, fast, and best at keeping out attackers. It's easy to use, connect with one click, and with over 5,400 servers in 59 countries, you'll never be short of super fast server to get you online, whether you're on Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, and Linux, or even on your Android TV. Like Southgate, you'll never miss a match, even when abroad with the quickest VPN out there. FYP listeners can get an exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com slash FYP to get a big discount off your NordVPN plan and four months free. Completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. That's nordvpn, N-O-R-D-V-P-N.com slash FYP. Welcome back to the Fuffy Blunt Podcast. Hey! It's time for winners and losers. Uh, This is, of course, a patron-only section. So if you're on the Patreon feed, you're going to hear our winners and losers. Now, if you're not on the public feed, um, maybe you think about joining the Patreon. Come on board. It's good fun. You get great content like this. Uh, So what you'll hear instead is um, some of our post-match podcasts, a little clip from the post-match podcast from Monday night. Um, And maybe that'll tempt you into joining our Patreon, which is available at patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, slash F-Y-P. No, it's not. Patreon.com slash FYP podcast. What is the address? I think that's the address. Um, I'll confirm at the end. Anyway, enjoy the... Oh, my God, the fringe has killed me. Um, Enjoy uh, your post-match pod clip, uh, because we're going to make the split now. John, you could see from the start that it was what the game plan was, couldn't you? That there, there was an element of kind of trying to frustrate, kind of block them, make things difficult kind of forced them almost to take snapshots as much as they could uh, and, and it, it worked out that way and then you just had to rely on the quality of Palace's attacking players in Eze and Wilf to, to do the, the business at the other end and they did that what were your thoughts on on the kind of approach that Palace took well I'm gonna I'm gonna be a shameless name dropper here but one of one of Palace's nemesis um, nemesis from previous era Danny Hickenbottom, who was working on NBC Sports for this game over in the States, um, he rang me last night and was we were discussing. He, he like he does his research basically. He, he asks people who watch these the teams that he covers, you know what what to expect in terms of formations and and approaches for for matches. And while we both expected this Palace to play on the counter, which makes a lot of sense given the the pace they have in the team, I, I, I think we were both surprised that a Palace went in with three at the back in their final lineup, um, and B that there was no Matessa to hold the ball up as our best option in terms of, you know, back to goal, holding it up on the halfway line and allowing a, a will for a or a Jordan Ayew to to run in behind. Uh, now, the way that it, it's worked out, we've there's, there's a point, a really creditable point, but let's not get carried away here. There were periods in that first half where it was an excruciating watch, and and. And Liverpool were absolutely bombarding Palace with with attempts on goal. So you you need a bit of luck when you're going to an elite team like Liverpool, one that's desperately trying to make up make amends for, you know, basically 
surrendering the title last week by dropping two points on the opening <laughs> day. I mean, it's 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 that desperate for them. Um, there were pr- some proper harem scarem moments in the first in the first period, but but the tactic in itself, if you if you if you are careful in possession when when you have the ball and you and you use the pace that you have in the team, then it can work. And we, you know, we're Palace were up against a, a Liverpool back line with with without a Matip. Without Joe Gomez from the start, and with Matt Phillips filling in there alongside Van Dyke, and you know, when when on on one of the few occasions in that in that first half where Palace actually were careful in possession in the build-up play, and it all stems really from a Joachim Anderson pass back to Guaita who clears it upfield, and Eze's wonderful little turn away from Fabinho and pass for 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 Wilfred Zaha. There, there, there was space for Palace to exploit and that was the that was the plan working to perfection. There were plenty of other times where he gave the ball away too cheaply. And I think we've just both been listening to Patrick Vieira's post match assessment and he, he admits as much that you know they, they could have been better in in the possession that they had. But the threat they carried running into the space behind Liverpool was very, very real. And and the goal itself was just a thing of beauty, an absolutely brilliant, brilliant counter attacking goal. It really was. It showed um, uh, Eze's quality, didn't it, really? I mean, we, we, we've seen these little flashes every now and then, but that was the way that he took the ball down in that situation, the way he turned his man, kind of dipped his shoulder and got past um, Fabinho. And then and then the, the pass into Wilf, all of it, just that that movement. Eze is one of those players that, that you know, I think in, it, 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 he just transitions from one per, one passage of play into another without just without skipping a beat and he just did that so well and that that finish as well from Wilf we you know we talk about Wilf is is a striker for Crystal Palace we keep talking about him in the context of him being a winger but he's a striker he scored 14 goals last season which is a ridiculous number for for a team of, of Palace's kind of stature and and that goal today was just so well taken it was it, it he you know far far corner of the of the, the goal of the net, uh, no way that um, that Alison Becker could get anywhere near it. It was just just quality, and and unfortunately he could have got got a second, but uh, Becker Becker was quick to get off his line. Alison, sorry, was quick to get off his line. Um, but um, but the, the, it was it, it was kind of back to the wall defending at times, and mm-hmm. and Palace just, just didn't crumble. You know that that's you've got to give a lot of credit to to Anderson and Gay and and Joel Ward as well, who I thought was. Very good in that back three. Um, it, it, it was just, yeah, and, and Palace, did, I, I think they, did, they kind of deserved to go into into half-time at nil-nil. There was a lot of, t- uh, uh, sorry, one nil up. There was a lot of talk about um, uh, about missed chances and Liverpool not really taking enough. But that's, that, that's part of the game plan. If you try and, it, it, it's almost a little bit like the Hodgson-esque kind of low block where you basically pressure teams into a position where they they take snapshots they're not actually given time to to kind of set themselves and and, and take the chance um and sort of at least for the first half they really didn't do that and then obviously in the second half Diaz had, a, had an amazing goal which kind of came as the result of slightly questionable defending but with so much intensity and so much pressure it kind of it was it was expected but after that Palace held on again didn't they 
<laughs> sorry, I thought you were going to Dom. I no, I don't know, Dom. Yeah, mate. <laughs> I was, can I tell you what I was looking at? I was looking at, not that I don't listen, obviously, in <laughs> when you guys are talking. Um, no, I was just looking at what you've obviously replied to a Liverpool fan from FYP claiming that Anderson, Anderson died <laughs> for the head part. I know we'll come yeah. on to it later. So, and then saying, oh, he gets him in his shoulder chest. Oh, come on. I know that like the tribalism of online makes people say silly things. My God, trying to defend that is, is ridiculous. Anyway, sorry, what was the question? Just about the defence, really, about how solid they all were. Yeah, I, I'm glad you picked out Wardy. I mean, I, I, I know I, I, I know I'm not Jack Pierce, but obviously I, I still love Joe Ward and we all do. And um, he never lets Palace down, does he? And, and in fact, I was sort of trying, chatting, to, chatting to Callum about Wardy and just every time he comes in and he's, and he's given a a start or whatever and it all starts up on Twitter again. Oh, you know, oh, Wardy's back and oh, and there's some fans going, oh, we shouldn't be playing him. Some going, he's the best player we've had in the last 10 years. It is still remarkable. It's remarkable that he's still at Palace and still producing the goods. I mean, he is a Palace legend um, and he can be relied on. We know his limitations, of course, and he's not the best defender we have. Pardon me. Um, But he'll do a job. And I guess today in that back three, I thought... When I heard it was five at the back, I kind of assumed it'd be Chris Richards, maybe as the, the extra uh, third defender in the middle. And we did see him later on. But I think he played a right wing back when he came on, didn't he? He did. And Kleine he was going very, from... very good. I thought yeah. he was really good. And he won a couple of awkward headers at the back post from crosses. And that was really promising. And Kleine came over to the left, yeah, because Mitchell had gone off. Mitchell had a, picked up the seed to pick up a bit of an injury early on mm. and battled on. Um, quite admirably, but but um, that's really promising from Richards. I know it's weird to sort of latch on to an 11 minute cameo from a substitute defender, um, asked to play right wing back. Um, but considering I think I agree with you, JD, when you when you when you hear they're going to go and play back three, you expect Richards to be in there. Um, and clearly that would have been something they would have looked at over the last nine days since the Arsenal fixture, so yeah. A great, a great battling, resilient performance from from Ward as ever. As you say, you know what you're going to get from him. But Richards looked really promising. That looked like a, a signing. That because you can, you can you can often tell a lot, can't you, by players on as you say, 11 minute cameo, but from their first sort of game, especially away at Anfield in the Premier League. Yeah, tricky um, situation to come yeah. in on. Had everything to lose at that point because you're up against ten men. You at one all. You know, you've, Palace. Palace had lost that match. They would have been they would have been cursing, um, you know, properly cursing an opp- missed opportunity. But but he he, he did well. They all they all stood up well to it. You know, to to come away with a from a, with a point from a from a contest against that that team. Yeah. Uh, even without you know, their first choice midfielders and their and and one of their first choice centre halves, that that's that's an achievement. That's really good. Um, that's that's really promising. <laughs> That's our winners and losers. Done. Uh, so welcome back, um, uh, public people. Um, if you want to hear what our winners and losers are, public people, um, <laughs> what our winners and losers are, um, I am fading as this podcast. Is there on. no um, sleep available in Edinburgh? Like, what's going on? Like, no. do, you, do you nothing at all? No. It's amazing. No, it's not so encouraged. There, there used to be what they called the the darkest hour in Edinburgh, which is, um, there's a pub up there called the Paddy Black, which mm-hmm. is a postman's pub that opens at six in the morning. Okay. So there was that time, all the all the 
private bars at the festival should close at five. Mm-hmm. So you had that dreadful hour between five and six where there was nowhere to drink, basically. Uh, so no, sleep's not particularly an option. No. no. Although JD looks... I've twice slept in a skip in Edinburgh. <laughs> once accidentally, once deliberately. JD's not not had that. He's yet. not quite that not point. Yet. He's not. But I've two weeks to go. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, welcome back. If you want to join our patron and find out what we were talking about, it's patreon.com, p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash FYP podcast. Um, we would love to, to join us. Right, quick break. When we come back, hopefully I'll still be here. Who knows? But um, we'll be doing questions at some point. Time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, Select Quote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. Select Quote. We shop, you save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, Select Quote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. Select Quote. We shop, you save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. Hey, it's Jesse Kelly. Ronald Reagan famously once said the nine most terrifying words in the English language are, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. Americans are losing faith in the banking system and at the same time, the U.S. government could soon be headed toward a centralized banking system. How scary is that? How do you protect yourself as the government gets more involved in your life? For me, owning gold is one way. 
Having gold that I can see and touch makes me feel protected. Having a portion of your retirement in precious metals is another way to feel protected. I don't own crypto, I don't own NFTs, and I don't buy meme stocks. I don't invest in things I don't understand. If you are like me and want to feel safe, it's time to call my friends at the Oxford Gold Group. Go to www.oxfordgoldgroup.com to learn more. Again, that's www.oxfordgoldgroup.com. Welcome back to the Fuck Fun Podcast. Hey. I am. I am still here. Um, uh, questions from our listeners. We've covered, as ever, we've covered a few topics. Um, there's a few questions, though, about the 10, playing against 10 men. Um, so let's get into them from Magic Cheese 72 Hello, Magic. And, of course, there's loads of emojis. This guy just brightens my day. <laughs> um, should we have gone for it more when the Scouts are down to 10, or should we have just done done this and respected the point great result i m h o and we're off and running this season with a quality gold and a gold emoji and one finger emoji point red heart blue heart eagle clap <laughs> so uh, nicely done there um david kent hi david getting a draw after being a goal up again is this a mentality that can be addressed i'm guessing that's a nod to a few games last season where we did chuck away late uh points and rick everly Hello, Rick. Should we have pressed a bit more after when as 10 men could leave our extra man back as cover? They did rally, Kevin, to be fair, didn't they, when they went as 10 men? Obviously, scored the equaliser. It does seem to be a funny thing in football sometimes that 10 men can suddenly find a bit more juice than the outperform <laughs> when they were 11. It does happen. Well, we did cover this at the start of the pod because Vieira explained uh, that he didn't want to take that option. He wanted to carry on playing with the system that because they'd been working on it all week that he felt that if they tried to make it more attacking, they'd leave themselves open. The timing of the goal was unfortunate because it happened so soon after they went down to 10 men. You could argue defensively we could have done better, but I, I, I think it was the right decision not to suddenly go. Going. I mean, it's not... It, it, it's not Bournemouth at home going down to 10 men. It's a way to Liverpool yeah. going down yeah. to 10 men. Yeah. And look at the quality they've got on the pitch already and on the bench. I don't think anything was gained, would have been gained by suddenly saying, right, we're going to attack Liverpool. We still had three decent chances after they went down to 10 men. Uh, I've, I know you said some people criticised Wilf. I th- he was falling. It seemed to me he was unbalanced and falling already. And Jack said that really came at him fast. So I, I, I've got no issue with with the way we played after they went down to ten. I think of, of all the of all the players to lose in 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 terms of how it's going to disrupt your your shape. Losing the man that's at the top of your front three is probably the least impactful yeah. because their yeah. shape and their mm. dynamism, particularly yeah. Alexander Arnold, Robertson, Salah. Diaz, it's not going to change. Okay, they haven't got the target point in midfield, but they don't really play with a target man anyway. They they yeah. probably and, and with five subs, they are able to bring new players on. Henderson came on. You know these players that can come on and and push into those gaps anyway. I didn't really think it impacted Liverpool at all. So, you know, to say should Palace have changed our formation or our you know the way we were at it, that probably would have relied on Liverpool changing the way they were playing, and they didn't. And the goal didn't, as Kevin says, the goal didn't come that far after the Reds. You know, if the, if the goal had come half an hour after Nunes had been sent off, I'd probably be a little bit more miserable about the result. Yeah. But the fact it came within five minutes just makes me think that it, 
the red card didn't really impact the game. And now whether that is Palace's fault or not, I, I don't know, I haven't really thought about it. But in retrospect, it, it felt like an 11 versus 11 anyway. And, and the only thing that was missing for Liverpool was another goal threat in Nunes. But it didn't impact their style of play because of how reliant they are on, on using the flanks. But, um, yeah, I mean, it would have been great to hold on, obviously. And, and or, you know, when you do lose a, a lead against 10 men, you are going to be a little bit regretful but of all the places to to not worry too much about that I think Anfield's probably the place for me yeah, I think that's a very good point yeah I think if Van Dyke had been sent off exactly and, and we and we hadn't sort of tried yeah. to adjust and maybe did something like that but I think yeah. you're right I think it's the least important player in the world. and also because he hadn't had that good a game up till then yeah Anyway, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, so arguably, they even losing yeah. improved their yeah, yeah. team that night because yeah. he wasn't playing particularly well at all. A um, couple of questions here from people. This may have been one for um, winners and losers. Um, I'm going to read them out because um, they're the same sort of question and also two of the best named listeners, I think, that we have. Um, so first of all, Spoon Bill McHumpty. Hey. Hi, Spoon Bill. <laughs> of course. Um, and then Robin Mickleberg. Hey, Robin. <laughs> Solid names on both. Um, so they both sort of said, Spoon Bill said, we've got a taste of Vieira's back 3-5 plan. Do you think it was successful? I think we've answered that. I wouldn't play it at home this week. No, I think we've said the same thing. But against the big teams, yes. Schlupp, for me, isn't the right player for that system. And then Robin says the system is too defensive, although it is Liverpool, but my main concern is Schlupp. He mm. seemed out of odds and did not have the best game. Is he just not suited to that role? What do you guys think? What do you think, Kevin? I, I don't think it was a, a back three. For a start. It was a back five. It was... It wasn't a traditional back three with with two wing backs bombing on because normally you you play a back three to allow you to play two up front with a bit of midfield solidity. It was it was very much a back five. Yeah, it's very much for that for that job. I don't think we'll see it again. Probably not even at Man City. To be perfectly honest, I I, I had reservations about Schluppy after the first game. I have to say, but I, that was mainly because. Decore sat really deep in the first half against Arsenal in particular. <clears throat> and with Ayu and uh, Wilf staying so wide, there was so much space in the middle of the, the pitch and Schlupp and Eze weren't the players to, to fill it and compete. I, I, I still, I love I love Schlupp. I still, I'm not entirely sure he's best suited. To, it's, it's like the old Patrick Van Arnold argument. We never really saw... Patrick Van Arnold plays a left wing back, which is where he wanted to play, <clears throat> and that's where I think Schlupp is at his most effective, and he's he's almost a victim of his own versatility, in a way. <clears throat> but again, he's clearly a player like Ayu that that Vieira thinks is is worth it, and but we haven't quite seen the best of him going forward. Is my is my worry? There are times last season when he was really dynamic down that left hand side, really got us into the box quite a lot of occasions and we're not quite seeing that from him I, th- I think he'll start on on Saturday I think it'll be a 4-3-3 mm. with arguably the same team that started against Arsenal possibly Elise ahead of Ayu but I doubt it but no I don't I don't think we're getting the best out of Schlappi at the moment and I think it's the system rather than him as a player to be honest yeah, I, th- I think that's fair. And I think we can all see there's a player there and, and, and Vieira clearly really likes him. And in terms of sort of raw qualities, he has a lot to offer. It's it's almost like sort of the theory of Jeff Schlupp is almost more yeah, effective yeah, yeah. than than the, the actual Jeff Schlupp sometimes because, well, yeah, whether it is the system or, or, or whether, what he's being asked to do, there's definitely a player there. But um, there are some players sometimes, Jack, that come through teams and you, you can never quite work out how to get the best from them. And we've seen we've seen Schlappi be brilliant in some games, really, really brilliant. But 
does seem to struggle with the sort of maybe consistency of his performances. I think, um, you know, we've talked about Schlappy being a victim of his own versatility before, but Kevin just said it. And I think last night kind of ran that home. For, for me, he's perhaps the best 12th man in the league in, in terms mm. of he will come in yeah. and, and do a job. He, he's probably as close to starting um, for, for Palace as, as many clubs have really in that kind of who's next in line because he can do so many things. If, if he needs to do a job in the front three, he could do a job there. He's got great skill across the midfield. Um, I do think this, I think I agree totally with Kevin. I think that wasn't the back three with two wings back last night. That, that was a back five because of Mitchell and Klein's preference of being defenders than attackers. Um, so naturally the midfielders had to probably drop deeper because they didn't have the the wing backs to, to play that flanking part. And, and Schlupp did look a little bit lost. So I think what he, did, what he did do last night, he did relatively well. You know, he supported Mitchell. He supported Decore when required, but he did look a bit lost and he didn't join the attack. I think it was very much the brief that if anyone was going to break out from the midfield, it was going to be Ebbs would join Jordan and uh, and Wolf up up top. Um, and Schlupp, yeah, it, it's probably fair to say he did look a bit lost at times, but there, there's real value to Jeff Schlupp's role in, in the squads. And I, it's, it's almost, it's a negative to say that he, he's a squad player, but that that is what he is because he can play so many roles. Um, and when he gets to start, when he looks good in a particular role in the team, you think, yeah, he could do a job here. But the moment he switches off, fans are naturally going to be thinking, could we be doing better? And I think with with Jeff, that is that is the case at the moment. Um, and I do think if we did bring another midfielder in, um, it won't be to drop either Ebbs or from or Czech to Corey from that midfield through. I think it would be Schlupp most likely to lose his place at the moment. But the squad would be worse off without Jeff Schlupp. But I don't think the team is, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's I, I think that's totally fair. And there are rumours that Palace is sort of a midfielder. So we'll see what happens in the next. 10 days, 11 yeah, days. An um, Irish lad called uh, Gonna Callagher. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, uh, Kevin, you weren't here last week, but Jack might remember we had a message from Toby Kinder. Yeah. Um, now, Toby was in France, in Paris, where he yes. was going to watch a game where he'd, uh, at the pub where he'd previously watched the 2 0 win against City last yep. season yep. and the 4 0 against Everton. Um, was he there? Was he there? He has given us an update. Here we go. Paris pub update, says Toby. It was a major bank holiday yesterday at the Hapney Bridge, okay. and it was shut. Oh! Thankfully, the Old Alliance was showing the game. Given this result, are you going to crowdfund me to stay here? <laughs> well, what I will be saying is that basically Palace didn't win last night because of a French bank holiday. Yeah. That's basically what happened. Basically, we can yeah. scrap the first parts of this pod. We don't need to talk about anything tactical, <laughs> anything about Vieira's decisions. This was all based on a yeah. French bank holiday. There you go. Uh, in terms of crowdfunding... Uh, I'm, no. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Not no. a moment. <laughs> um, I've already sent enough Edinburgh. Let's really quickly, um, if we can answer a question quickly, this might be unfair on you both. Um, PC Wires. Hey, hi, PC. Hello, PC. I just said, um, and we talked about Wolf's goal. We probably haven't given Wolf enough credit for that goal earlier. I mean, it, it was excellent. It's it's a great finish. Right? I think you used the phrase world class, which I, which I do yeah. agree with. Mm. Um, PC says, um, probably shouldn't complain as he got his goal at an end point, but I'm a, am I the only person who think Wolf, thinks Wolf is wasted as a lone striker? No, we have talked about this before, Kevin. It has come up. He, Vieira, he played him quite a lot as a striker last season. He clearly sees him as a striker. So is it time for us just to kind of accept that it's going to happen with Wolf? I would hope it doesn't happen. Maybe Man City are well. I would, I would not like to see him 
play as a lone striker in most of the games we play this season, certainly at home. I think notwithstanding the goal, he did get a bit frustrated last night. He's he's a player that we know can be wound up by defenders, ironic considering what we talked about in the first half. <laughs> I, I did think there were times when we were really slow to get somebody up with him, which you're gonna, yeah. You, yeah, which you're gonna have you're really gonna have to do. Wilf, I think one of the reasons that Wilf has never got that move to a top four, top six club is that he has to be persuaded to do the hard work, the really hard work. He doesn't particularly want to do it. And when you're playing on your own like that, uh, away at Anfield, most of the time you're doing stuff without the ball. Uh the, the goal was brilliant, but some of his work out there. The, the ball doesn't stick with Wolf. That's the big problem. What you sometimes need from a lone striker is somebody who can d- do what Ayu does. He can buy you that little bit of time. And I, I just think if we do play it again like that, we do need to get somebody round him closer to him. I mean, the irony is he can score goals from there. There's no two ways about it, but he scores goals off the left and the right as well. But it's I, I don't think it's a role he particularly relishes playing to be perfectly honest. And who would against Van yeah, we keep yeah. saying about Phillips band, but Van Dyke is one of the top four centre backs in, in in world football. So it can't be easy playing up against him for 90 minutes when you mainly your support is 30 yards away. Yeah. And Wilf yeah, Wilf's instinct, the way Wilf holds the ball normally is to turn in head for the corner. And he he couldn't really do that last night with the with the way their fullbacks are who can get back to him. So uh, I'm, it, it worked brilliantly last night and we would have been talking about it as an even more of a masterstroke if he got that second goal but I'd, I'd, I wouldn't like to see him there most games to be honest What are your thoughts then Jack because we did we did see it quite a lot last season so Vieira obviously doesn't mind him up there but um, are you like Kevin would you rather see him sort of out wide head down taking on a defender rather than back to goal Back to goal Wilf is, is better than previous back to goal Wilf he has certainly improved that element of his game but I, I do agree with Kevin that the hold up play is is lacking but in answer to PC Wire's question there wasn't the Wilf on the left flank role last night to play Yeah. so yeah. you either have Wilf not on the pitch or you have Wilf centrally and we saw what Wilf does when he is on the pitch and that he you know, just the sheer panic in, in Phillips's body language when Ebbs did skip away from Fabinho. Phillips knew he was in a world of pain right away. He knew that if, if Ebbs was on the on the money with the pass, there's no way that he's he's able to deal with him. Um, and I think that's the quality that Wilf has centrally, that he does scare the living daylights out of centre-halves. For me, the whole issue with Wilf playing centrally last night probably raises more of a point about where Vieira's mind is with Edouard at the moment. I, I, yeah. I think the fact that he started against Arsenal, but was, you know, I know he came on, didn't think he did much when he did come on, but when he did come on, but I, I think the fact that Wilf is your go-to in terms of how am I going to occupy centre-halves when we're playing as defensively as we did last night, probably is a comment on on Edouard and, and, and to a lesser extent, Jean-Philippe Mateta. But no, I think Wilf, I think Wilf centrally is good enough to do that job. I appreciate it does take away the threat of what he does on the left. But in a game like last night, we didn't have that threat on the left-hand side. And as, as Kevin touched on, I think that's probably as much to do with Vieira's preference of how Palace played last night as it is to do with the threat that Liverpool posed from the full-back positions. You know what's slightly interesting last night? I don't know if Christian Benteke watched it mm. in, an, in an Irish pub in, in America somewhere. But how many times did we talk about uh, Benteke in the past five seasons 
not having somebody like Eze who can play that ball between the centre-backs or between the full-back and the centre-back for Benteke to, to run onto, for Benteke to turn the centre-back and have just the goal in front of him. And I, I think Benteke would have scored 10 more goals a season if he had someone like that playing Game balls, passes. Like, playing passes like that. We've, mm. we've so rarely played to that strength that Benteke had. I know he hasn't quite got the pace that, that Wilf's got, but he's certainly got the strength mm. to, to turn away from centre-backs if he's got that that level of pass in front of him. And, and it's it's an option that I'd really hope that we get to see more of when we go back to 4-3-3, that we still that we don't rely so much on getting the ball wide, that we do have that option yeah. in the middle of the pitch. Because some of Eze's passing last night was 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 fantastic. I mean, yeah. uh, instinctive and just really and Decore as well played a couple of really top quality balls through especially one in the first half through to Wolf. So that's something I really would like to see us working on. And again, when you've got Mateta and Edward, it, it just giving that extra bit of variety as well. It gives the centre back something you know, if if the centre backs are fairly certain that we're going to get the ball and it's going to go wide, mm. then their job is made easier for them. But if if they're not sure whether it's going to go straight wide or else and it makes life so much more difficult. And it's I think it's good that we've got that that option. And it's good that as a Again, Eze's got Slut's problem, except much, much better. That Eze's really good at three or three positions on the pitch, but I just think as a passing midfielder, he's he's a fantastic option as well. He's really good, and that was, that was top quality football last night. And I say that goal. I can't speak again highly enough of that goal. That's a fantastic goal. Yeah, it's a, a top class Premier League goal and it's that cliche if it had been scored by any other if that was Haaland scoring that goal from the De Bruyne pass yeah. and Alisson had knocked it over the, the keeper had knocked it out to De Bruyne who did that and passed it through to they'd be showing that on the title sequence of radio shows they haven't got a title sequence <laughs> <laughs> it's like, that's how good a goal it was as far as I'm concerned that finish the finish was fantastic yeah. and again because Van Dyke, I'm sure and Gary Neville mentioned this Van Dyke wanted him to hit it he, I, 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 I think Van Dyke thought he was going to cut back yeah yeah, yeah, yeah I, yeah, I, I don't think he I don't think I think you're right I think he did want him to hit it but I don't think he thought he would no. hit it I don't think he thought he could beat Alisson from there you can see the way Van Dyke positioned his body yeah. that he thought Wilf was either going to stop and turn turn inside or try and do what he sometimes does and beat the keeper on the on the near post but that was it was brilliant and, and it, it from from what Vieira said afterwards it sounded like that was something they worked on as well with Zaha well that's that makes, yeah, that, that makes me think that he, he knew quite early on last week that he wanted Wilf to play yeah, centrally I, th- I think so yeah. as soon as I started yeah. hearing oh we've been working on that you know Wilf yeah. off the shoulder yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I I mean we'll touch on the Villa game in a moment, but I, I suspect we will see Wilf revert back to yeah. the flank at the weekend and and someone else occupy the front. But you know Vieira likes Wilf centrally, so who knows who knows what happens. Uh, it might depend on the transfer business completely between now and the end of the window. Yeah, yeah. was good going to say that absolutely. Um, but I think just bring back to the Wilf finish. Um, the, I think the the Henri comparisons are correct, and also you can see why Van Dijk. Uh, opened up to let him shoot because Wolf does have a tendency to cut inside and yeah. get a better angle. So it was a it was a superb finish, absolutely brilliant, um, and good to see Wolf sort of picking up where he left off last season as well. Um, right, okay, let's take a break because when we come back, we've got to do final part of the pod, which is previewing Palace's next game, which is home to Aston Villa.
It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. When it comes to business and meeting travel in Orlando, it's never business as usual. Sure, I could go on for days about all the incredible places to hold your meeting or the innovative industries that will make you feel right at home. But Dr. Michael Edwards of Ocean Insights said it best, Orlando is as much a business capital as an entertainment one. And when work wraps up for the day, the evening is just getting started. I'd love to tell you about all the 46 Michelin-rated restaurants, or the array of outstanding dishes that'll have you coming back again and again. But executive chef Guillaume Rabin of Lake Nona Wave Hotel can sum it up better than me. Orlando has a world of artisans, so you can try incredible cuisines from across the globe. It's so true, and there's so much more. So dive in and see what's happening in Orlando, where the possibilities for business travel are unbelievably real. Learn more at orlandoforbusiness.com. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Hey. Hard something. Uh, anyway, it's four three six. Four three seven. Thank wrote, you. Uh, four three seven. I wrote that four three six. I wrote. Maybe I'm predicting the future. Oh, it's one of those. Um, we'll find out in a minute. Um, Pod four thirty. Blah blah. Pod something. No, I think of venue four three six, which is uh, next to JD's hotel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a cupboard next to my hotel. Just doing some great free fringe shows at the moment. Um, I've got to say as well, JD talks about the fringe experience. You're staying in a hotel for, for the one love night of God. because I've got to get up at seven a.m. No, five a.m. tomorrow because I'm flying at seven a.m. To my brother's wedding. You know, oh, yeah, of course, letting down your public. Which he is delighted to be at again. To the rest yeah. of the Daily family, he can't wait to join you. Can't wait to be there. Event. What happens to the show must go on. It doesn't. It does not go on. Hopefully, the lack of show for three days will create such a buzz that yeah, people will yeah, be desperate to come to Saturday's show. Um, so this is quite good. I feel like like Kevin is your like showbiz conscience <laughs> on your shoulder, and I'm your family conscience <laughs> on your shoulder. And Kevin is winning. Hands... Well, wow. so you, you know what's going to happen. You, you you go away for two days. When you get back, a Belgian mime artist is taking over your room. <laughs> yeah, and he's smashing it. He's, he's smashing it every day. Hughes down the block. <laughs> he's got five stars already. He's an Andalek fan. <laughs> he's just had his second child. And he's doing a mime show about being a football father. <laughs> <laughs> and it shows ten times better than mine. Anyway, um, let's Villa at home. Um, they're an interesting one this season. Kevin, aren't they? Because they uh, they got beaten by Bournemouth on the opening day, well I believe. Beaten, yeah. um, and then they beat Everton in what was quite a tight game. 
um, last week. I think their expectations of the Villa fans are quite high this season, but they don't seem to have really got off the ground so far yet. They do have some excellent players in their squad. So it won't. it's the first fixture really from my run this season that is probably targetable for three points, but it, it won't be an easy one. I think the Premier League is a very difficult league to target three points, especially this early in the season. One of the reasons I was so pleased with the point last night is that we saw... A couple of results. We saw Forest beating mm. West Ham in what Brentford. was our Brentford, mm. uh, Fulham the first week against Liverpool. They're the sort of results you you get this stage of the season. I mean, the, the intensity of the Forest game, they can't play like that every week. Fulham can't play like that they do against Liverpool every week. But you still already, if we lost last night, it's, you'd already be looking at the table going, hang on a second, there's yeah. teams here that we didn't think would get any points. They're now looking at them. So that was a a really brilliant point for me last season, uh, last night. The the stick that Steven Gerrard's been getting from, from Villa fans after that Bournemouth defeat was astonishing. I mean, it, I, I, I talked to a friend of mine who's a Villa season ticket holder who said the, the jury's very much still out on oh, Steven yeah. Gerrard in a way that it's not for Vieira at Palace. And he says, well, we're a bigger club, blah, blah, blah. We, you know, we've got the... Uh, the Champions League commentary running around the ground, you know, mm. to remind us of how big a club we are. For some reason, we expect to be in the top six. And they, he said they just haven't taken the Gerrard in a way that we seem to have taken to Vieira. And he's under enormous pressure. Uh, him and Lampard are probably under more pressure than any manager in that, in that league. And I watched their game against Everton. Neither side were that impressive, but Villa were quite comfortable when they beat us at Silas Park last season. They've got some really good players. I, I just think, finally, we've got a Palace team that I, I hope can impose themselves on a team like Villa at home. That, yeah, we've been... And it's not just under Hodgson. We have been so passive at home for six or seven seasons. We wait to see what happens and then we work out what we're going to do. And I, I think and hope that in Vieira we've got a manager who will play a different system on Saturday and that we can start on the front foot and that we can we can get a win. And if we do get a win with difficult games coming up, then that I think that would be a perfectly good start to the season. Uh, what's important is that if we don't get a win, we suddenly forget how potentially good a team we are. But I think there's going to be, a, I think there'd be a brilliant atmosphere off the back of the Liverpool result. Uh, it looked like Touchwood after the Arsenal game, some of the uh, ticket issues had been resolved. The queues were nowhere near as long as they they have been, so that'll improve people's mood. Uh, it's not going to be hot, so that's improving my mood. Uh, so let's so it'd be interesting. I've, I've I've got a I've got a feeling. As I say, I think it probably will be the, the team that started the Arsenal game. I think. Is, uh, I think even if Elise's fit, I don't think he'll start. I think as Jackson, he clearly sees something in Schlupp and, and IU that uh, perhaps we we all don't necessarily, but I don't think he'll uh, change too many things up. I don't think Wardy will start in the middle of a back five for a start off. But, uh, I'm, I'm actually looking forward to it, I have to say. Mm. Yeah, I think Kevin's right, Jack. It was back 4 3 3. I think we will see. More of a lease save, but I think you're right. I don't think he'll start, but I think he'll get a decent cameo off um, the bench. Um, what are you expecting from the game? Well, just talking about 
point Kevin made there about Gerard and the, the comfortable win they had last year. They they did see us off comfortably. I think the two one was a our one was ninety fourth minute yes, game yeah. he picked up. Um, Gerard's first game, so it'd be quite interesting to see how they've evolved in the ten months of of Gerard. But what I do remember from that game is Wilf was subbed after sixty minutes because he got no change out of Matty Cash, who I yeah. do think is one of the best right backs in the Premier League. Um, so what might be interesting and just kind of following up on our point from the previous part is if Wilf does start and say it is Edward, I could see Wilf and Edward interchanging from left flank and centrally quite often to yeah. maybe mix things up a little bit because of of how well Cash has done previously against Wilf. So um, that that could be something to, to look out for on, on Saturday. I, I think uh, we should be looking to take three, but I think there's, there's something about this filler group at the moment that split in terms of the captaincy about Mings. I don't think they're the happiest mothers talk about Watkins and Gerald yeah. having issues. Uh, I just think they're probably not the happiest. Camp. They, they did okay on Saturday. They got the win, but as, as Kev said, they, they, they weren't particularly fantastic. They, they, they beat a bang average Everton team. So um, their three points, probably not as impressive as our one point at Anfield, if, again, if that makes sense. But I, I think this is a, you know, first Saturday kickoff at Selhurst of the season. Um, a lot of people looking forward to it. And um, I'm hopeful. I, I think there's, there's a, a win to be had, but I, I do expect us to go back to the 4-3-3. There is a trade strike, by the way, for people listening to this, so you need to check out is to there, get there. Is there yeah. not every weekend at the moment? Apparently so, yeah, but there is a trade strike. So it might be that the away fans are fewer than, than normal, but uh, so people might have to leave a bit early. Good. I do that anyway just to get to the Porsons. Yeah, I was going to say. Somebody <laughs> got to the Arsenal game at quarter past five and somebody was at our table. That was it took a lot of, oh. took a lot of glaring to get them off the table. Oh my God. <laughs> Unacceptable. Um, Won't happen again. We had words. <laughs> this is good. This is, this These is summer a... drinkers. God. <laughs> How dare they. Um, yeah, this is a service we provide on this podcast, not just football chat. It's also train updates as well. So yeah. uh, you're welcome, listeners. Um that's it, I think. What, this... what do you think, JD? You know, our Scottish correspondents, what do you think of our I on Saturday? don't know what day it is, to be honest. <laughs> <man. So, laughs> I, I don't. I don't even know what I'm doing in the next five minutes, to be honest. The fact that I've lasted this long on the podcast, it's been uh, an absolute miracle. Um, you guys have been brilliant, as per. Thank you very much for being here and chatting over that. Thank Result, you Thank you to our listeners. Thank you to our patrons for your support. Um, and we'll be back next week to review that Villa game. And of course, the post-match podcast will be with you for patrons on Saturday evening. Um, if you are a patron with Rob, Dom and Selzy. Uh, but, but that's it. Enjoy the rest of your week. Have a great one. Care for the trains on Saturday. Look after yourselves and each other. Shut up, Jim. Goodbye. <laughs> Podcast Network.